Welcome to My Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. My name is Nisi, and this is episode 43, Think Bigger. I hope this episode finds you well and blessed and in good spirits and all that jazz. (laughs) This episode is coming out a little bit off schedule because I was on vacation. I actually went with my mom to Europe for 13 days. We went to London, Paris, Rome, and Florence all in a short amount of time. I know that 13 days sounds long, but when you're traveling in between countries and while we were in London, we stayed with family. We also went to Birmingham and then we took the train to Paris and then we flew to Rome and then took a train to Florence and then took a train back to Rome. It was such a long vacation, but it was such a well-needed, well-rested time. So in addition to being on vacation, I also had to come back and get back on track with work to catch up on my missed days. But even with the hassle of coming back to an inbox full of emails and a voicemail box that was full, it was well worth it. The vacation was so needed, you have no idea. Time away from the office, time to see the world, time with my mom, that's getting more and more rare as I get older and also have more opportunities to, you know, when it comes to work, I try to take more time when I have an opportunity come in front of me. So that means that a little bit more time in the office, which means a little bit less free time. And also with some changes in my life, this might be one of the few times that I'll be able to spend a lot of time with my mom. So it was such a blessing to have this huge chunk of time to spend together. And that trip has inspired me for the topic today, seeing the world, spending time in so many beautiful churches, seeing God's beauty in different countries. My favorite country was Florence. We went to a wine tasting on Vespa scooters and the art was so beautiful and the town and the city was just stunning. Being in those environments really opened my mind and reinvigorated me and inspired me. And I hope to share some of that inspiration and encouragement with you all today. I posted a few pictures on Instagram for the podcast, which is at my strength and my shield, all one word. So you can go ahead and check it out. Just one or two photos from when I was in Paris and things like that. And I think I might start posting more pictures of me on there, like outfit of the day for church and things like that. So follow the Instagram if you're into that kind of thing. I also have launched a survey for all of you to give me feedback. There's no deadline to finish it. It's just going to be a link that I'm going to add to the show notes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Sorry, SoundCloud just to get an opportunity to hear from you. And it's a chance for you to help me know what you want to hear on the podcast. You guys have been phenomenal in leaving ratings and comments on iTunes. Right now, I believe we're up to about 147 comments on iTunes. If you haven't done so, you can go ahead right now and head over and leave a five-star rating. Let's continue to see this family grow. But the survey itself is just a chance for you to continue to talk back to me so that I know I'm speaking not just to what's on my heart, but things that are on your heart as well. It will literally take two to five minutes to complete. So if you are so inclined, check out the survey and let me know your thoughts. I also wanted to share something else with you guys. I say this, I've said this before and I'm going to always say it. Make sure you're investing in your friendships. Whether you're in a relationship or not, don't be that person that only talks to your friends when you have a problem or when you feel like dumping on them. Invest in your friendships. And what does that actually mean? Because I I feel like we say it. It's more than just like sending a text message. It means if you have a friend that's doing improv, go to their show. If you have a friend that writes for a newspaper or a magazine, click and repost on that article show them that you love them invest in the things that they're passionate about not just using them when you need them and 
you know, for me, the reason why this comes up is because one of my coworkers, uh, her last day was this past Friday. And while I'm so happy for her, for the bigger and better opportunity she's stepping into, I'm going to miss her. And I'm thankful for the ways that I've been able to pour into her and she's poured into me. We've had so many good and honest conversations about life and it's rare. It's rare to find a person you've only known for like a couple of years, but you feel like you've known them forever. So I'm a bit sad and I'm going to see her, you know, we're going to stay in touch and she's coming to my barbecue that I'm having next Sunday. And I'm hoping we continue to stay in touch for years and years and years. I'm very proud of her. Make sure you're letting your friends know that you're proud of them. You never know what somebody's going through. And whether it's, you know, we all grow up wanting to hear from our parents that they're proud of us or our significant other. And you never think about the fact that there are people who are hustling and grinding and they don't hear people say, I'm proud of you. Invest in your friends, not just, hey, how are you doing? And let's go to a party. I mean, look at what they're passionate about. Look at the time that they're spending and see if there's five or 10 minutes every day that you can just look and see, how can I reach out to my friends? How can I let them know that I care about them? Okay. So other than that, you know, we are going to get into the topic. And as always, we are going to begin in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this sacred space. Thank you for this opportunity to focus on the topic at hand, which is to think bigger. We get so focused on the day-to-day -day things that we're struggling with that sometimes we forget that we are called to be bigger and greater, to be set apart. And there are times when we have desires that are in line with what the world wants for us. We live in a society that wants us feeling insecure so that we buy things and insecure so that we feel like we have to constantly be striving to be like everybody else. You call us to be different. Allow us to listen to this podcast episode with the mindset that let's, let's try to have the courage to do what you've called us to do. Let's not limit ourselves to what other people expect of us. And let's not limit ourselves to what society expects of us. Allow us to seek your face. Allow us to remember what's important, that we're called to love, that we're called to pour out. And we can do those things with excellence. We can love excellently. We can strive excellently. And that doesn't mean exhausting ourselves to the point where we can't live a full life. I think so many of us are focused on being busy and wanting to feel important. That's not the same as being fruitful. Being busy and having a lot of things on our plate is not the same as living a life that is meaning. So allow us to have the courage to look at our life and see where are the areas that we can think bigger. Where are the places where we're kind of limiting ourselves that we can pray to you, dear Lord, looking for that inspiration, that motivation, that calling? Where are the areas in our lives that we're limiting ourselves by comparing ourselves to others? Allow us to use this time to recalibrate and refocus. Where can we think bigger? I pray that whoever's listening to this podcast episode comes with an open heart and an open mind. Allow us to do something new here or allow us to re, you know, reinforce maybe a conversation we've heard in the past and we've heard over and over again that we need to think big and dream big and we've kind of forgotten that message. When we're kids, we're told that we can be anything in the world and as time goes on, our self-esteem gets hit. We get discouraged, we get disappointed and we forget to be dreamers. We forget to be hopeful. Teach us, dear Lord, teach us in a new way how to be hopeful, how to dream, how to think bigger. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So for 
for the first part of our podcast right here today. We're going to begin with the spiritual care section. And if you're new here, the podcast is split into three sections. The first part is the spiritual care section, which is part Bible study, part chat, and fully a part committed to spiritual growth. The next section is the self-care section where I give some tips on living life and with the aim of finding peace of mind and fulfillment. I talk a lot about mental health, but sometimes I also just share some tips that I've been using to help keep my life feeling fulfilled, and I share that with you guys in the self-care section. And then finally, I end the podcast by answering a question or two that someone has sent in to me. With each episode, I have a worksheet with the Bible verses and the self-care tips, and you can find that at www.mystrengthandmyshield.com. So you can head there now, head to the website, find the PDF, and you can either read along with me or you can save it and have it as a resource for later to keep you refreshed on some of the things that we talk about today. And as I mentioned before, traveling opened my mind up to seeing that the world is a bigger place. I'm going to speak for myself. So often we can, you know, I can get trapped in my own mind. And I know that I'm not the only person. We get caught up in what's going on in our own feelings. And in the last episode, which I talked about the key to happiness, I discussed that the reason why we're unhappy is because we're selfish. We can be so self-centered on why me? And we get so paralyzed and we can paralyze ourselves with feelings of being overwhelmed, feeling inadequate and feeling far from God. It's important that we remember that what our purpose is on, our, on this earth. In this world of chaos and disorder, we're called to be a light in the world. And it's hard to do when what we're thinking about is the small stuff. We limit ourselves and the work that God can do in our lives when we focus on going through the motions and not dreaming about the future. I was talking to my boyfriend and I shared with him that prior to this relationship, I was a person pursuing goals, but I was just kind of going through the motions, right? And I've talked about how you can be hardworking and productive and driven and feel like you have no purpose because there's no passion or closeness with God. And I've shared on this podcast that I've, I was very involved in college, in a lot of student groups, very busy, involved in my sorority, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, involved in the Black Student Alliance. I ended up being president, vice president, then president. Same thing in high school, to be honest. I was um, president of the Black Student Alliance. And then when I was in law school, I was involved in the <laughs> Black Law Student Association. I've always been involved, whether it's been Senate or a student leadership group and I know what it's like to be working hard and other people patting you on the back and it's not the same as dreaming big right like I think to a certain extent people just expect you to do certain things whether it's you know you're a black person in a predominantly white institution and you're expected to be an example so a lot of us have that pressure to do a lot but that's not the same as actually being passionate right so through my relationship and my focus and dedication to spiritual, spiritual growth, what I can say is that I've changed from being just a pragmatic person to being a dreamer. And I say, the only reason I bring up my relationship is because I'm a very de detail-oriented person and my boyfriend is like a big picture kind of guy. And we compliment each other because sometimes he has the big picture and I have to be like, okay, but let's focus on X, Y, and Z. And sometimes I can get so focused on the small stuff that he's there to be like, Nisi, this is the bigger picture, right? But in this relationship, I've become someone that's a dreamer. I dream about the future. I dream about career goals and family goals and even fitness goals and that's a part of the relationship and also because we're both seeking God, 
we're constantly thinking about, you know, my boyfriend talks about the, the empire that he wants to build together, right? And that's a part of being hopeful, this empire that we're building through God, right? The foundation that we're laying. So there's hard work that we do today that's leading to a bigger goal, a bigger dream in the future, right? And I dream about the future and I have these goals and the motivation is different than just comparing myself to other people and feeling jealous. So I have to do more or doing more just because that's what's expected of me. I'm a dreamer because I'm a hopeful perfect person. I'm a dreamer because being hopeful helps me to continuously be seeking my purpose. It gives me meaning in life. I think a lot of us are afraid to dream because it requires us to be vulnerable, right? Dreaming and being hopeful requires us to actually articulate our deepest desires, to speak it out loud. And it acknowledges that we want something, and that can be scary. Scary because perhaps we feel like we should be grateful for what we have and not want more than we need, right? We're called to be humble. It's also scary because it opens ourselves up to disappointment if we have dreams that just don't come true. And it can even cause us to doubt God, right? Because we can get that feeling that if God put a desire in our heart and we don't get that thing, then is God even there? Or are we even as close to God as we think we are? So we can become robots that do what we're expected to do and we're focused on the day-to-day -day that we don't open our eyes to a bigger calling that God has for us. And that's what I want to talk about with the Bible verses for today. So in Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, it says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We all have gifts, and it's not enough to just know that we have them. We know that we have these gifts for a reason, and the verse, Romans 12, verse 6 through 8, it talks about that dichotomy of like, you know what your gift is, so use it. If you're one who leads, do it with zeal. If it's one who contributes, do it with generosity. If your gift is to serve, you see it in proportion to our service. We know that we have our gifts for a reason, and it's to glorify the kingdom and to do the work that we're called to do. So allow this to be a time to kind of just pause, right? And you can feel free to pause the, pause the podcast episode. I'm not going anywhere. Just pause it. But ask yourself, are there gifts that you have that you've been hiding? So for example, I'm a person who is good at communicating. And so many times people used to ask me to be in leadership roles, and I would shy away from it. I'm a naturally introverted person, and I have a natural urge to stay to myself, to be by myself. So pause, you know, pause the episode right here. Are there certain gifts that maybe other people have pointed out to you, and you're kind of like you push it to the side, or you keep it to yourself? The Bible tells us that you are a light on a hill, which means that people will be able to see in you what God has placed in you. So there are certain gifts that you will not be able to hide. You might have an amazing singing voice, but only like to sing in the shower. And, and if someone overhears it, they mention it, and you try to push it off that, oh, that's just, you know, that's just a little something that I do. Or you might have a natural gift for being with children, but you've never thought about a, a career in childcare or education, but other people will see it. 
do not shy away from the natural talents and gifts that God has given you. Because when you shy away from your gifts, you shy away from the calling that God has for you. And that shyness, God will often call you to do exactly what's most challenging for you to do. God will often call you to do exactly what is the most challenging for you to do. Why? Because if you're just naturally doing something and knowing exactly what you're supposed to do, then you don't need God, right? Like if you know that you're naturally gifted as a teacher and there's nothing you need to work on, you can just do it on yourself, then you don't need God. But if you know that there are things that you need to work on, that's when you have to pray to God and turn to him. That is our purpose. That gives us our calling is when we know that there's something that we're good at or something that we're blessed with, but there's still something that we need to work on. Maybe it's our openness with our gifts. That is something that you have to turn to God for, and that's how you know that you're working with your purpose. It's not just what you're good at. It's the thing that you're good at that you also need God to help you with. But when you know you have talent and you're shy about sharing it, trust on God, trust and lean on God in order to get over that hurdle of feeling like you have to hide it. Don't feel like acknowledging your gifts is a way of bragging. And this is something, you know, we've heard about things like the imposter syndrome, where you don't feel like you deserve the accolades or things that you get or receive. Acknowledging that you're good at something is acknowledging God in your life because nothing that you do that's good or that you have that's good just came from you. So there's a way for you to acknowledge the things that you're good at while still giving God glory. If you're giving God glory, you're not boasting. And if you're using your gifts to glorify others and not just yourself, it's not bragging. Get away from the idea that being humble is the same as saying I'm not good at something. Because in all honesty, that's just lying, right? <laughs> like if you know you can sing, then acknowledge that. It doesn't have to be a competition. You don't need to say, well, I can sing better than Beyonce. But you can acknowledge that I have a gift at singing and maybe consider singing at the church. Use it as a way to uplift somebody else. In Philippians 4 verse 13, it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, I know that you've heard this Bible verse before. It is a thing that we post all over social media. It's the things that we say to rev ourselves up. And anytime we're taking on a big task, we just remember, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? But it's important that you remember the context of this verse. It's not just that you can do anything in the world. It's specifically that when you align yourself with God's will and all the things that are in line with what God wants us to accomplish, that we can do anything. You have to remember the parameters of how we're called to live. So when I tell you to dream big, I don't mean adopt somebody else's dream. And that's important because in a social media society, you can look at what other people are doing and begin to think you're not doing enough because somebody else is doing more. You might not be doing enough, but it's not because there's some blessing that belongs to somebody else that God wants you to try to snatch. It might be that you yourself have a purpose that you're not living up to, and comparing yourself to other people might stop you from doing what you're called to do. So it's important that when you're thinking about this Bible verse, it's not, I can do all things. It's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And God's not going to strengthen you to do something that's not in line with his will. You know, like... When you understand why God puts certain things on our heart, it's because he has a bigger purpose and you have to find the way that you fit into that purpose, you know? And if it's God will, if he puts it on your heart, he will never give you something to do without the means to do so, right? Like if he's going to call you to be a teacher and you feel like, well, I can't afford to go to school and I don't think that I'm good enough, God will provide a way for you to become a teacher, 
You just have to step into your purpose. And when you're doubting yourself and being like, well, I'm good with kids, but I'm not good enough to be a teacher, you deny yourself the opportunity to see the way that God can open up doors like scholarships or recommendations from professors, okay? One of the pastors that I love to listen to, I've talked to him about him before, it's Pastor Howard John Wesley, and he's the pastor at um, Alfred Street Baptist Church, which is the church I used to go to when I went to law school in D.C. And he was saying in a sermon that sometimes we struggle to know when God is giving us a, um, a challenge to go th- that we have to get through or if it's a sign to stop when we're seeking a goal. The difference is when we invite God into the conversation. If the first time you pray to God is when things get hard and you've made a mess for yourself and you're asking God to clean it up, if there's a challenge that comes your way, it might be a sign for you to stop. But if you've been praying to God and seeking his face and working on getting closer to him, if you're doing all that and then as you're doing what he's called you to do, you face a challenge, He's going to do, like I said, give you the means to get through that hurdle. The reason why I bring up this explanation from Pastor Howard John Wesley is that there are things that you'll be called to do that are difficult. And there is this idea that if you're called to do something, you know it's your calling because it's easy. But that's why the Bible first says, the Bible verse says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's an acknowledgement that you need to be strengthened, that on our own, we cannot do it. But with God, we can accomplish the things that he wants us to do. So if there is something that's been a calling on your life, and let's say you had it in your mind and in your heart that you're supposed to be a nurse, and you take all of your exams and you fail, is that a sign that you should not be a nurse? Well, what is the distinction? Is it that you're becoming a nurse because you know it's going to make you a lot of money and it's not what you want to do? God has been putting on your calling that he wants you to get involved in ministry, but you've decided you want to be a nurse because that's what your mom said you're supposed to do. So you're not doing well on exams or in classes. It might be a sign that mm, it's because that's not where you're supposed to be. This is not your area of expertise. But if you've known that you wanted to be a nurse and you've been praying to God and you may have failed an exam, does that mean that you stop? Or if you spent all this time going to law school and developing yourself in your career and you don't pass the bar the first time or the second time, do you stop? The difference is, is this a calling that God has put on my life? And that's where prayer comes in. And that's why you have to turn to God who strengthens you. Because we do not know for ourselves whether or not this is something that's a calling. We lean on God for assistance and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us because it's through understanding our purpose and our goals that we can lean on God to give us the strength to do what he's called us to do. In John 16, verse 33, it says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. To reiterate from a little bit earlier, a challenge does not mean stop dreaming. A challenge does not mean stop having peace and seeking God. The world is a challenge and life is hard. The default state of the world is chaos. You know that in our faith there was the Garden of Eden and everything was perfect and we messed it up. So the default in this world is chaos and we seek God for peace. Knowing God and knowing Jesus provides a way for us to navigate the challenges with peace. And having big dreams is a way of trusting God, trusting that God will give you peace even in the storm. Many of us are afraid to dream big because we know that there will be challenges. 
But if you come from a place where challenge is inevitable, where you know that challenge is going to happen, where you expect it, you can also expect to have God help you overcome it. I say this because I talked about it earlier that there may be times where you have found yourself that you don't dream anymore because you've been disappointed. You don't want to try relationships anymore because you've had past terrible relationships. And that causes you to say things like, maybe God wants me to be alone. And it's always interesting when people say that because it's not that they wake up in the middle of the night and they hear a booming voice that says, you need to be alone. No, we tell ourselves that this must be what God's will is without actually consulting him right? Because it's not like we get a vision that we're supposed to be nuns. And there are people in the world that commit themselves to the monastery and to, to being um, a monk or a nun and devoting themselves entirely to being married to God. That's not what you really have been called to do. You're just a person who's been hurt in the past. And I'm not trying to say ignore it, but I'm saying be very careful of assuming that a challenge is a way of God telling you to stop dreaming. I've had people send me questions. It's like, well, I've tried such and such and it doesn't work, so maybe I should settle, right? You know I'm never going to tell you to just settle. If there's a pulling and a calling on your heart, just because it's difficult doesn't mean to stop trying. In the world, you will have tribulation. There is nobody that has an easy life. Nobody. There are rich people that go through difficulties. There are successful people that go through challenges. The state of the world is chaos, but you seek God for peace. And you will have hurdles. That's why in your career, you will have challenges. In school, you will have tests. But just because it's difficult doesn't mean to stop dreaming. When you dream, you trust that God will carry you through. It's just, When you're a hopeful person, it's a sign that you don't know what the next steps are. And yes, that requires you to be vulnerable. It requires you to admit that there might be something outside of your control in the world. But that's okay because God is in control. That's why we lean on him because he knows better than what we know. And acknowledging that we don't know everything might feel scary, but in the end to me it feels liberating because it means that I don't have to have all the answers. It means that I can step into my purpose and be a great person in God's eyes without needing to be in control of everything and everyone. And I find peace in that. And finally, in Romans 12, 12, it says, Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Hope is trusting that God will catch you no matter what steps you take. And the reason why I included this Bible verse at the end is because it's a mantra. And there are things that, you know, certain Bible verses, it's really a good idea to try to memorize them. If only because sometimes there's going to be days when you don't have your Bible right in front of you, but you might still need an encouraging word. So there are certain verses in the Bible that you might just want to memorize just for the purpose of having it in your arsenal. And this is one of them. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Rejoice in hope and find your peace in your state of normalcy in being hopeful. Like, get to the point where it feels like your habit, your default is to be hopeful. If you find yourself being frustrated because you can't control everything, get into the habit of telling yourself mentally, let go and let God. Know that tomorrow is another day with new challenges, but also new opportunities to seek God. And you're supposed to be patient in tribulation because it's with, you know, the idea that tribulation won't last forever. Like life is constantly, you know, a challenge and then a time when we're preparing for the next challenge. It's like you're 
preparing for the challenge, you hit the challenge, you reflect on the challenge, and then you prepare for the next challenge. That's the cycle of life. It's like challenge is inevitable. There's always going to be challenge. And we have to stop being surprised when things are hard. Be constant in prayer. And that's what prepares you to get through dreaming big. Because we never know what's going to happen when we step out on faith, but prayer helps us to not be overwhelmed by anxiety. I'm a person who deals with anxiety. I'm constantly overthinking, and with each step, I ask myself the 50 different ways that it could go wrong. But prayer helps to keep me focused on God. And when I find myself spiraling down the road of, well, what if this happens, but then this happens, and then what if this happens, and then they say this, so I have to say that, and then I'll, I get into the habit of stopping myself and just praying to God and just saying, Lord, I feel very anxious right now. Sometimes I do try to control everything, and I know that I can't. Help me to trust you. And sometimes I have to make big leaps of faith, not just because it feels right, but even when it feels wrong. Like if you wait until the time when it feels right to take a big step, you're never going to do the things that God has called you to do because God will call us to do things even when we feel uneasy. And, and why, do, why does this happen? Why do we, are we still called to do things even when it doesn't feel right? Because our feelings are often wrong. Our feelings are often wrong based off of maybe low self-esteem or things from the past or someone when in the fifth grade telling you that you couldn't do something. Our intuition about what we are capable of is wrong. I might feel I can't do something or feel like someone else is better, better qualified to do it, but those feelings are wrong. When I know the fact that God has given me XYZ talent for XYZ purpose, I lean on the fact that prayer and God will get me through. I lean on the fact that God has gotten me through in the past, so he'll get me through today. And I lean on the fact that if I'm called to do something, it's because I'm capable of doing it. It's the example that I give sometimes when people ask me about, I've applied for a job and I'm worried about, you know, or I'm, I, I'm new at a job and I keep making mistakes and I think that they're gonna hate me. They've hired you because they think you can do it, right? Like they didn't hire you because they think you know everything. They hired you because they think you can do it. And God is the same way. If God assigns you a task, it's because he thinks you can do it. And our feelings of inadequacy are not accurate. So that's why we have to pray. That's why we lean on God for strength. Because there are things that we're called to do that we do not think we're able to do. And God is there as that reminder to say, I would not call you to do something that you cannot do. That is why I'm here to say it's time to start dreaming big again. It's time to analyze the ways that we tell ourselves that we can't do something and figure out where that comes from. Whether it's going to therapy, whether it's journaling, whether it's taking time every day to meditate. And I already told you that my favorite app for meditation is Abide. And I do my Abide um, morning meditation every day or as often as I can. But typically at least five days out of the week because I do it to start my work day off. And taking that time to meditate and reflect. And where does this feeling come from? These negative feelings don't come from God. So it's our time to take a step back and say, so where does it come from? And how do we address it? If I feel like I can't do something, God is not sitting on your shoulder telling you, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Where does that voice come from? Is that from an ex-friend, an ex-boyfriend, an ex-girlfriend, your mother, your father, a teacher? Who told you that you're not good enough? That is why you have to pray and reflect and do the work because you have so much inside of you. And I'm not saying this as like, you know, someone that's just trying to inspire you. I'm telling you that we have more inside of us because that's what the Bible says. 
That's why we need to lean on God for strength because he knows what we're capable of. Even the most arrogant person in the world still doesn't know all of the ways that God has called us to do things. It's time to dream bigger. It's time to step outside of ourselves and it's time to stop limiting ourselves from what we are able to do. That negative voice that's telling you you can't do it is a lie. So lean on the fact that God has put something in you because he knows that you can do it. Even on the days when I don't feel like I can do it, I know that if I'm in this job, it's because God must know that I can do it. If not, I would have been fired. You know what I'm saying? So use this podcast episode, re-listen to this section again. If you find that there are ways that you have told yourself that you can't do it and you've limited yourself, allow this to be the wake-up call to push yourself to think bigger. of the podcast episode, I'm going to go ahead and dive into the self-care section. And for this self-care, I am going to talk a little bit about traveling and traveling tips. I do believe that traveling should be a priority, right? And I know that this is a thing of privilege to say. I know that there's limitations. I know that now that I'm a person of means, and I'm by no way means rich, I'm a public defender, let's be clear. <laughs> but I do have more money than when I was poor, right? or before I was an attorney, or growing up poor in a single parent household, we now have the income to do a little bit more. The reason why I say that traveling is important is from this thing that we're talking about, about thinking bigger. Encountering people that are bigger than just your neighborhood is an opportunity to remind yourself that the world is a lot bigger. If you're a person that gets your news from the same source, you talk to the same people, you do the same thing every day, you might not be exposed to that calling to do more. And make it a goal to step outside of your bubble, to travel a little bit. And that's whether it's, you know, making a plan that you live in Brooklyn and so sometimes you need to take, uh, do a rented cabin upstate, you know, take, take the Amstrak and go to a hike up north. And yes, even as a black person, I go outside, I go camping, I go hiking. I went to sleepaway camp when I was younger. Um, but having yourself outside of your comfort zone and outside of what makes you comfortable can jar you with a new experience. And I'll speak for myself. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to study abroad in Brazil. And um, I'm a part of Prep for Prep, which is a program that took inner city kids, IQ tested them, found out if they were smart, put them in predominantly white schools, and tried to expose them to the things that the rich white kids get, and try to show that black and brown kids can do anything once you put them in the right environment. So as a part of that program, I was able to study abroad in Brazil. And as a 16-year-old, going to see Brazil not only to see the richness of culture and wealth in Rio de Janeiro, but then also to go to my homestay, which was in a, a township called Taquarasu, and see how people live humbly. And we were a part of a program where the goal was urban conservation. So we both went to different cities, but then we also went to the jungle to learn about different cultures and the way that they were conserving um, the environment. And Brazil is one of the countries that has a lot of advances in trying to reserve, uh, preserve things like the rainforest and natural resources, right? As a 16-year-old from Brooklyn who was born in Brooklyn, stayed in Brooklyn her whole life, it opened up my mind. And it's part of the reason why it helped me to go to college in Chicago and law school in D.C. and why I'm comfortable in different environments. A lot of times if you're a person that has social anxiety, it might be because you haven't been exposed to how to have 
social interactions. And there's different ways that you can push yourself outside of your comfort zone, whether it's doing a student group and volunteering with like Habitat for Humanity, which is something I did on my campus, which just takes you to a different location and you spend a day in a different environment, right? But for this specifically, we're talking about traveling. I just came back from Europe, Europe whirlwind tour. Um, like I said, Florence was my favorite city by far. I would love to go back there, but London was beautiful. I think if I were ever to live in a city, I would live in London. It's for the first time as a New Yorker, I went to a city and was like, I'm impressed. Like this is the first time where I saw urban space where I could see a comparison between New York and this location. A lot of people compare Chicago to New York, DC to New York. I roll my eyes every time. London truly surprised me and let me know that maybe, you know, and obviously I only saw one portion of London, but I was like, you know, maybe New York isn't the best, best city in the world. <laughs> um, I still have my heart is always going to be in Brooklyn. But having that opportunity to think a bigger mind is like, I've even had open minds about maybe I won't live in Brooklyn forever. If I have a family, maybe I move to Atlanta. It allows you to get rid of that fear of stepping outside of your comfort zone, right? So I wanted to give you a couple of tips, um, not just from my experience traveling, but just some advice in terms of if you are a person that maybe does have the means to start to travel, what's a way to do it that's, a no, that's cost effective? Um, one of the things you can do is you can go to airfarewatchdog.com which is spelled A-I-R-F-A-R-E, watchdog.com, all one word. And of course, you know, on the worksheet that I talked about earlier, I'll have all this information. And you can also set it up through Google where you can get travel alerts for when flight prices are the cheapest. I have friends that have been able to get really cheap flights to places like Belize and um, Cuba and different places like that. You can get cheaper than a flight from New York to Florida, you can go to these exotic places and you just have to catch them at the right time. So you can go online and sign up for some of these groups that give you um, alerts for when prices are very cheap. Now, the caveat for that is sometimes it's hard if you're a job that has to give a lot of notice when you're going on vacation because some of these trips are really random. Like they're cheap because it's a Tuesday to next Thursday kind of trip, as opposed to a lot of people try to travel like Friday to Monday. This is cheaper because it's in the middle of the week. But I do think that if you have a person that's been working for a while, you're able to save up your vacation days and your sick days and take advantage of having these random opportunities to travel. Okay. And you can even go on Groupon to see if they have cheap flights. The other thing I wanted to, to, to expose you guys to, if you haven't already been exposed to it, is there's this idea of travel nor, um, or just these up and coming experiences of traveling while black. There's a lot of resources. And again, I'm going to leave it in, um, the, the notes for this episode. The one that I know the most about is travelnoir.com. So it's T-R-A-V-E-L-N-O-I-R-E.com. And it's really a resource. It's a just based off of the website. It's a digital publishing platform that creates tools and resources for the unconventional traveler. And it's founded by someone who's been working with Glamour magazine. And it's Travel Noir is a necessity in every traveler's toolkit. And so they talk about, you know, linking up opportunities and resources for people who are in the African diaspora and creating resources. And the reason why I love this website is it not only gives you tips and tricks for traveling, but it also is like gives you tips on, you know, is this country black friendly? Is this brown person friendly? How do you navigate these spaces? Um, how do you deal with 
um, traveling on your own. A lot of people are traveling with just a friend or two and going to these different platforms that allow you to link up with other people who travel. So I will also have a link from Boss Magazine. It's B-A-U-C-E mag.com. And they have seven group um, groups that are founded by, it's seven black-owned travel groups that you and your squad should join. And it's seven different organizations. There's the Nomadness Travel Tribe. There's Travel Noir. There's Tastemakers Africa. There's Black Adventuristas. There's Black Girls Travel 2. There's Passport Posse and Urban Events Global. If you've ever been one of those people that you go on Instagram and you see all these black people and they're in their coordinated outfits and they're traveling together and they're all beautiful and glammed up and you're like, how do these people get together to travel? It's because they sometimes have their little squad that they go with and sometimes it's like individual travelers or groups of two that link up with other groups and they all travel together. And the beautiful thing about doing this kind of travel is somebody sets up the itinerary for you. So you're getting all of these opportunities to travel to like Ghana and and all these countries that are even you know that are open to people who are in the African diaspora that are coming together from all walks of life just for the opportunity to travel this is something that I would really encourage you to do because if you're a person that only feels like you can travel when you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or you have your squad sometimes life doesn't work like that And if you have the means and you're saving up money and you have a couple hundred dollars, there are so many extremely beneficial experiences to have. You don't have to wait for other people. When it was time for my mom and I to travel on this trip, we did it because we were thinking so much about how much we wanted to go to Europe and we'd been talking about it for years. And there's always an excuse for why you can't travel. And like I said, we stayed with family. If my mom's family, my mom's from Jamaica. And you know all the Jamaicans, the West Indians have family in England. And we went to visit them. And people are getting older. And there's always reasons why not to go. You know, my pastor at my church, Pastor Nelson, always says, um, it's interesting calling him Pastor Nelson. <laughs> I'm not, if you know, he's my boyfriend's father. Either way, Pastor Nelson talks about the fact that when you die, you can't take the things with you. There's no U-Haul in the funeral procession. And I'm not trying to say be wasteful and and spend all your money traveling. But I am going to say that sometimes that money you spend it for a rainy day, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And if you're a person that's kind of living a day and you're waiting for a relationship to make you happy or to try new things, Sometimes being a boring person isn't interesting to other people. And I have friends that are in, you know, we're all approaching 30. I turn 30 next March. And they're single, but they're still living their best life. A couple of my single friends went to Belize just a couple of weeks ago just because they want to live an interesting life. You never know. There's so many things going on in this world, so many natural disasters and random shootings, and it's chaos, right? And I'm not here to depress you. I'm saying that if you've been blessed with the means to travel, please do so. So I'm going to leave the resources for Travel Nor, and obviously if you're a person that's not black, you can still look to the resources. There are a lot of different travel groups. There's a lot of people on Instagram and YouTube. Like I know one of my favorite YouTubers, um, she used to be called Bronze Goddess, but she's now... um, Life coach Sean, she is having a trip to Paris and it's a bunch of women from random walks of life that are coming together because she's an influencer. And there's another influencer, Julesy, on YouTube who often does trips to Africa um, or Evelyn from the Internet. Like there are people out here who are organizing in recognition that people of color need to live their best life and to do it in a way that's cost effective. So open yourself up to those resources. 
I also wanted to just give some tips from my trip, my travel to Europe. Um, just some of the things that I did in preparation. Obviously, I can't go through everything, but just some things to keep in mind when you're traveling to a, a different country, especially maybe a country that you don't speak the language. Number one, reach out to other people who traveled. I asked everyone from friends to my bosses um, to give me some trip, some tips and tricks. And I found it to be helpful because a lot of people gave me suggestions, especially when we went to Rome, because there's so many restaurants that are highly rated online so we went to a restaurant that one of my friends from high school actually reached out to me on instagram and he said hey you know this is where i went when i was in rome and we went to the it was the most delicious meal we had and it was also the least expensive my mom and i had my mom had two glasses of wine i had two drinks we had an appetizer main course and a dessert and the meal came to 66 dollars I'm telling you, it was so good. That's why you have to just reach out to the people that are around you, see what they're doing. And it's also a great way for me to like touch base with my boss and have a conversation that's not work-related. Um, and I would encourage you guys, if you have a boss, make sure that the only time you go to their office is not when you're doing something wrong. You should have FaceTime with your boss. And a part of me asking around at my bosses was, you know, because I wanted the tips and tricks, but also it's a good way to get that FaceTime. The other thing is it's important to pack light, especially if you're going from country to country. Um, traveling within the European Union is actually very simple on the trains. Um, the only issue is when we were going from London to Paris because London decided to take themselves out of the European Union. It was like flying. So we still had to go to security and passport check and customs and all that kind of stuff. But between other cities, it's a lot simpler. Okay. The other thing I would encourage you to do is pay attention to cultural norms. Like when we were in Europe and in Rome and when we were in Florence in church, you have to have certain clothes on um, and that's something that I saw when I went online and I saw that people who were wearing tank tops in churches were given dirty looks and sometimes even asked to leave be aware of your surroundings I know that um, you know sometimes we'll talk about how white people are culturally insensitive but sometimes just as being an American or being a Westerner you can be oblivious to the ways that you're being offensive um, other thing we learned is like tipping is different in Europe we often had to tell people we were gonna tip them before they ran the credit card because they just tip differently they didn't give us a little line where you fill in the tip um, and it was interesting because a lot of people were surprised that we tip but that's a custom in America my mom and I always tip so we just made sure to figure out how we could do that in Europe especially because we had so many American amazing experiences. Um, it was also good to make sure we had cash on hand to make sure that we could tip people that helped us. Um, the other thing is learn how to say, I don't speak the language in their language. Like don't be a person that just walks in and shouts English when someone speaks to you in a different language. Don't be obnoxious. Okay. Like you can write it down and just read it off a piece of paper. Like no hablo inglés or, you know, it's Spanish or, um, necesito una persona que pueda hablar español or something like that find the phrase so that you can communicate with other people without being disrespectful. Another tip is to call the hotels that you're booking with ahead of time. They may have deals with tours and transportation that you may not find on their website. So there were some hotels that had transportation to the airport that we were able to find out by calling them. Other, um, they had tours that they had that they could get us transportation to the tours and things like that. Those are the little conveniences that you might pay an extra couple of bucks. But if it's the difference between wandering around in a country and not knowing what you're doing versus going straight to the source, that's a great way to save money and time in the long run. Um, the other thing we did is we made sure to carry multiple forms of IDs, multiple forms of credit cards, and multiple sources of money and to not carry them all in the same place. And this is something that I really like adhered to with my mom. Um, I had like 
uh, my passport. I also had my um, driver's license. I, and I also had like my passport card. And I kept them like one in my purse, one at the hotel and one in my bra to be honest with you. And I had a little pouch that I kept in my bra, which is how I kept my money. I did not carry a big wallet with me. Um, I did not put stuff in my pockets, especially in Rome, we were warned about pickpockets. And as a New Yorker, I just naturally, like if you have a street performer, I'm not gonna stop to watch you because that's often how a lot of people get pickpocketed is you standing in a group watching someone pretend to be Michael Jackson and there's like a little kid going around trying to rob you. And that actually happened to people when I was when I studied abroad in Brazil. Just something to be mindful of, um, you know, be mindful full of where you put your passport when you have people coming in to clean your rooms different things like that I don't trust safes but I would just put it inside of my luggage um, and things like that um, I'm not gonna tell you I mean don't hold me liable if you put your your passport in your luggage and someone steals your luggage in your hotel room but that's kind of the stuff that we kept mindful I like to have different forms of ID on different parts of my body in my bag at the hotel so if anything happens I'm not SOL another thing we did you always want to take pictures of your passport and pictures of your ID in case something does happen um, the other thing is I am a bit of a <laughs> I don't call myself um, I mean I'm type A right I'm, a, I'm an attorney so this kind of goes without saying I'm a if you've heard me talk about you know I love planners you know I love being organized so I'm not even gonna pretend that I'm not that person but I had a travel itinerary um, and my boyfriend and my mom made fun of me for having an eight page long itinerary um, my mom was like let's just go with the flow but when I had my itinerary it meant that anytime we were kind of lost in the middle of nowhere we still had a plan so I printed out an itinerary and I saved it to my phone so that I both had the physical copy and also on my phone to let me know what the plan was for every day. Is this day a beach day? Is this this day when we're gonna go to the Coliseum? Is this the day when we're gonna try a specific um, restaurant? And it helped to have like physical maps, not just to use Google Maps to map it out even before I got to the country. And it helped me, you know, there were websites that I was able to go to that just, I typed in two days in Florence and they were able to give me a walking tour for what we should do in Florence or four days in Paris. And they showed me how to split it up so that I knew this would take this amount of time. And I put it in, I was like, okay, I wanted to go see Buckingham Palace. How much is the ticket? And I put that into the itinerary. Why? Because it just lets me know ahead of time. Maybe, you know, if it costs such and such money to go to the Louvre, maybe we just go to take a picture outside and we don't go inside. It allows you to see, because there's so many expenses that come up from traveling. It's not just flying and going to the hotel. You know, museums cost money, tours cost money. What is the benefit? When we went to the Coliseum, we could have either waited in the line and then paid to get in, or we paid for a tour to get us through the line. Now, is if you want to be cost effective, maybe you just wait on the line and get there early. For us, we paid the extra $10, got the guided tour, and were able to stay inside of the Coliseum as much as we wanted to. But I had that written down, and it helped me to budget for this trip, okay? So yeah, I had my itinerary and I'm a bit of a, a organized person. That doesn't mean that things didn't change. Like when we went to Rome, I had written down that I wanted to go to the beach. But when we got to the concierge and asked about the beach, that he said, the beach is not good. <laughs> he was honest. He was like, you know, this isn't that part of, of Italy that has the beautiful beaches. And it caused us to switch up our plan. And it ended up being great because we just did more of the things that we didn't think we'd get chance to do because we didn't have enough time. It just meant we were able to make time for those extra walking tours that we wanted to do. So 
I think it's a good idea to have an itinerary, whether you're doing Travel Noir or one of those groups and they have the itinerary set up for you or you go yourself. Even if you're a person that likes to be spontaneous, there's nothing wrong with being educated about the countries that you're going to. So those are my tips. I really do encourage you to travel. I hope that those things allow you to see that it's doable, whether it's through going through a group and going with a group can mean a lot less expensive, especially when you sign up through those groups and you're doing hotels and you're splitting it with other people. Um, you know, take some time to create memories. Just like saving money is important, using that money to create memories, um, taking pictures, having those photo books to look at, look through another thing that I'm doing with the pictures from, we went to so many places in those um, 13 days that it was like a whirlwind. So I want a photo book so that I can remember everything, every single, sorry, every single city. So if there's days when I miss my mom, I can remember the amazing trip that we had together. Use time to make memories, step outside of your comfort zone and theme of the podcast, Think bigger. And for the last part of the podcast episode, I am going to answer a question that was sent in to me. You can send me a question to the for the podcast to be answered either at strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com uh, or you can send me a message through my Tumblr, which is yourbigsisnisi.tumblr.com. I often answer questions through my Tumblr, even if it's not something that someone marked for the podcast, just because I think it's an interesting way to continue the conversations that I have from my blog onto the podcast. And that's what I'm doing today. I got an anonymous question through the Tumblr that I'm going to answer here. I'll let you know what I answered, and then I'm going to go into detail. Okay? Very short question, but I think it's worth the conversation. The question is, do you believe God puts people in your life to teach you certain lessons? And if someone was meant to be with you, that you'd find both that you'd both find your way back to one another. My answer was, I think God puts people in your life to see how you can commit to seeking him in your life. The people in your life will either lead you to God or distract you from him. And praying for discernment is how we determine who should stay or shouldn't stay or our conduct with the people we encounter. So that was my answer, and I'll go into a little bit deeper. I've been getting a lot of questions through my Tumblr about exes, and a lot of questions about keeping them as friends or that they keep popping in and out of their life, so it must mean that God is putting them there for a reason. Sometimes God puts somebody in our life over and over again because we need to learn the same lesson over and over again. I'm not friends with any of my exes. I haven't had a bad breakup. I haven't had a relationship that's ended badly. I have never been broken up with, so God willing, that has, you know, with this relationship last. <laughs> but I haven't had relationships where I've been abused or mistreated. A lot of times it just has fizzled out because it just didn't work out. We had different goals, different values, whatever. I still don't stay friends with my exes because I don't like mess. And I think a lot of times people only want to be friends with their exes because they secretly hope to get back together or they just want to keep tabs on their ex, right? So I had a question. A person sent me a message that was like, I really think I should be back friends with my, my ex. Do you think I should just friend him on or follow him on Instagram and that'll show him that I want to be friends? And in my head to that question, my, you don't want to be friends with this person. You just want to keep tabs on them. Because friendship is you reach out to that person, you give them a call, and you try to reconcile. But if you're just trying to follow them on Instagram, 
what are you really trying to do? I like to close chapters. And a lot of people want their ex around, but they haven't prayed to God about if this person is actually someone they should have in their life. Like they've decided for themselves that this person has mattered to them and they want them around. It's, I have yet to hear someone say, God told me that this person is meant to be in my life and the relationship didn't work out, but I still think they have a place in my, in my life. How do I get discernment for that? I have yet in my 29 black, <laughs> black behind years of life have never heard anybody say, God spoke to me and said, this person is supposed to be in my life. It's a lot of times they're not asking God and it's, the desire to not be alone, you know, because breakups are hard and you don't want to be by yourself. Or it's like they don't want to accept the finality of a finished relationship. But sometimes you're called to move on. And a relationship, you know, I think a part of the reason why it's hard to move on from relationships is because you feel like you're a failure because it didn't work out. You spent all this time and you thought this person was the one and you've wasted that time. And you can see a relationship that ends as still serving a purpose for the time for what it was and then still know that it's time to move on. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. Either this person is my husband or I've wasted my time. God doesn't waste time. And it's only us that tells us that this was a wasted relationship. Yes, there are times we stay in relationships longer than we're called to do. And yes, there are times when we feel disappointed in ourselves because we should have walked away. And so we want that person back in our life as a way to justify us so that we don't feel bad about the choices that we make. That's not the healthiest perspective, beloved, okay? So what I want you to do is ask yourself, why are you really interested in a friendship with this person? Is it because they made you a better person and you love them as a friend even when you were together and it ended amicably and you just know that you're better as friends? I think it's very hard to even try to be friends with somebody that you're in a relationship with at least one of the people feeling like they still have feelings. I just think it's a recipe for disaster. That's different than like maybe you were friends before, you gave it a try, it didn't work, no hard feelings, one person didn't cheat on the other, it just fizzled out, you realize that you're better as homies than as boyfriend and girlfriend or girlfriend and girlfriend, boyfriend and boyfriend, whatever works best for you, you just realize that you're better as homies. That's a different situation than you being afraid to be by yourself or you wanna just see, you know, you're miserable and you wanna see, is this person moving on without you? That's not a friendship. Wanting someone in your life so you can keep tabs on them is not a friendship. Like if, you know, if there's one person who is hurt so they want the friendship because they don't want it to be over and then the other person wants the friendship because they feel bad for hurting the person and they don't want to be the bad guy. Like sometimes your ex will say, let's be friends because that's what you're supposed to say. They'll say, let's be friends even when they don't mean it. They'll say, let's be friends so they can have access to you and they can still sleep with you or they can still have you cook for them and you know call it a friendship. It's like sometimes it's really manipulative and you're a vulnerable person and you're trying to keep this person in your life. What are you gaining from that? You're just continuing. God is, has told you to get out of this relationship and then you let it linger. For what purpose? Why this pseudo relationship? So, you know, to answer the question, you know, do I think that God puts people in our life to teach us lessons? Yeah, every person in your life is there to teach you a lesson. Even a stranger, it's, it might be to teach you to be kinder or to watch your attitude when you're meeting random people on the street. That's a lesson. But when it comes to friendships even, you could take it bigger than relationships, a friendship, yeah, that person might show you, be there to show you what to accept and not to accept. You might, you know, I just talked about my coworker that I loved the interactions I was able to have with her. The lesson there is I know what a great friendship looks like, even if it's a short friendship. 
it has value. And I know that I'm not going to settle for a one-sided relationship or friendship when I've had good friendships and relationships. Just because something ends doesn't mean that it's useless or that your life is over. There's a lesson to be learned and you can still move on. But I really do want to caution you from feeling like, oh, you know, I, I, I saw him on Instagram and, and he mentioned a movie that I had just finished watching. And then I bumped into him at Whole Foods. And then, you know, my friend had a kickback and then he was there. Is that a sign we should be together? No, it might be a sign that you need a bigger circle of friends and you need to stop following them on Instagram. Like, not everything is a sign that God wants this person in your life. The question is, you're asking the wrong question, or really, you're asking the wrong person. Not ask yourself or even ask me. Ask God. God, is this the person that you want in my life? And then wait for the answer. And the answer is not this person keeps sliding in your DMs every time you post a pretty picture. Because that happens all the time. I often joke with my friends that exes have this radar that when you're living your best life, that's suddenly when they slide in with, how you doing, you know? Or with the, you look great comment on your Instagram. It's like, you didn't even know that this person was following you. And the answer to that is to block them. You know, like, sometimes you just have to close that chapter. Sometimes you just have to move on and trust that God, if he's given you the desire to have love and relationships, that it's not just going to end there. That this isn't going to be your last relationship. Trust God, you know, and on the episode with my boyfriend um, for the fellas that I, I interviewed him on the podcast, if you'd like to go listen to that episode, I did talk to the homie that I call my best friend. Um, and I said that even if he wasn't my boyfriend, I'd want to introduce him to you guys because I admire him so much, right? You know, I really do love him and I admire him and I think that he's a great person and I would love to have him in my life forever. Does that mean I could be friends with him if we broke up? No. It would be way too painful. And there is no way that I could be able to dial back the love that I have from him for the past six years. That doesn't mean I can't wish him well. That doesn't mean that I might be curious to see what the next woman looks like. God, I don't even like to talk about this hypothetically because I'm just praying. I want this man in my life forever. I'm trying to get married. <laughs> but even still, if it doesn't work out, I will appreciate the love that I got from him the way that he has turned me into a dreamer and the way that I've seen him grow through loving me and me grow through loving him. It's just like, but there's too much love there. Why pretend that we can just be friends? The note that I'm going to end on, and this is for all the West Indians out there, you know, there's a song by Wayne Wade, and it's called I Love You Too Much. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing the, your, um, tarnish your ears with my singing. But it's, the hook is, because um, I love you too much to ever start liking you, so don't expect me to be your friend, right? So I'll hum it. Love you too much to ever start liking you. So don't expect me to be your friend. All right, I'm going to leave the link somewhere around there. It's Wayne Wade. It's a great old reggae song. Um, if you don't know anything about me, no, I love me some reggae. Love me some Sanchez. Love me some Barris Hammond. That's my favorite singer of all time. And of course, Bob Marley. But that song really has it. Like, I'll read the verse before. And it says, sometimes late at night, you still call me just because you close your eyes to sleep. I made a vow that I would drop by sometimes, but baby, that's a promise I can't keep because I love you too much to ever start liking 
liking you. So let's leave the story here to end because I love you too much to ever start liking you. So don't expect me to be your friend. Sometimes you will love someone with your whole heart and you would have loved to have them in your life, but there is no way that you can be a friend. It would have been nice, but you know it's going to be too painful. Why? Because when you see them move on and you're still stuck on stupid loving them, you're going to be mad at yourself and you're going to be mad at yourself if you guys fall into this slippery, we're not really dating, but he still comes over sometime. No, sometimes you got to close that chapter. And if you don't want to listen to me, go ahead and pray to God and ask yourself, honestly, truly, should this person still be in your life? The answer is probably no. <laughs> So that's it, beloved. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for staying all the way to the end. This was a fun episode for me recording, and I hope it's a fun episode for you listening to it. Um, I really was feeling inspired and reinvigorated from this trip to Europe. So thankful and so blessed to spend this time with my mom. So blessed to have seen these amazing wonders of the world and things you see in your textbooks. Um, my mom was an art history major, and I was a history major in college. So we were just able to walk through these beautiful um, coliseums and and ruins and the the different things that you see in storybooks and history books and to see it in person even the tv shows that we watch my mom and i watch a lot of um, bbc and to just see it in person or the things that you read about in books it's such a blessing to be able to actually have had those experiences i want to encourage you to think bigger than yourselves to open yourself up to what god has for you to not limit yourself to that negative voice that tells you that you can't do it and that if god has placed you somewhere it's because he thinks you're capable so even if you don't think that you're capable lean on him for strength I pray that you are encouraged that between now and the next episode that you just keep yourself prayerful and seeking God. Remember to leave a comment and a rating on iTunes. It really helps to put a smile on my face. Helps me to feel just as excited um, recording this episode as I was on the first episode that I ever recorded is seeing the lovely things that you have to say. So until the next episode, take care of yourself, beloved.